0: dark face down where you gonna go when the world don't spark up time what we gonna take where we embark on the new beginning what you gonna tell the mighty father when you get to heaven what we gonna say about the hate meant for a friend what we gonna do when it all come to an end what we gonna do when it all come to an end
1: hi everyone welcome to another episode of the ffgi Scoop. i'm your host cuckoo quagrin Today's episode wraps up the season of the FFGI Scoop. I know, that's so sad, right? Nonetheless, this final episode is a very comprehensive one, so let's get right into it. Now, in 2019, Fast Forward Global Initiative, FFGI, partnered with the UNHCR Lukuluku Luku campaign in response to the increased displacement crises in Africa. And this crisis is usual. It's compounded by budgetary needs of over two billion U.S. dollars. Now the LukuLuku campaign strives to fundraise, support and reshape the common misconceptions of families that have been forced to flee their homes. In light of our recent global pandemic, humanitarian responses to the increasing needs of refugees and displaced persons are additionally challenged. Joining the FFGI scoop today is the Assistant Representative of the UNHCR South Sudan Operation, Alicia Mandy Owusu.
2: Good afternoon once again, and thank you for joining this conversation. Good afternoon. Thank you. Now this incredible work that you're doing with the UNHCR and, and even looking at how we recently celebrated World Humanitarian Day, looking at the real life heroes that are the front lines in providing all the support services that people that are displaced and even the global refugee community needs has all been challenged so um thank you for joining our conversation and without further ado can you explain the work you do with UNHCR in your role as the assistant representative to the South Sudan operations
3: okay so um in I have been here since um 2018 as the assistant representative you rightly mentioned and uh My role is actually to support the operation and to help implement the programs that we have for the persons of concern here. So I I covered the operations unit of UNHCR. We know that globally UNHCR is a protection mandate and operations is how we do it. So we have program units, most of them are NGOs to implement the projects on our behalf. And then we have a logistics unit. I think you may have known that South Sudan is it's logistically challenged. So we do a lot of things by air by using um, the roads. When it rains, we don't, have, um, we don't have roads. So we do a lot logistically. And then we have the public health units. Um, this country is um, also one of the weakest countries with regards to proper infrastructure for health facilities. And uh, we do project control. So I had four units in, in, the, in, the, in the operations here. And as the assistant representative, it is my responsibility from time to time to ensure that I lace with all these units to make sure that the support and the funding we are, we are receiving from our various donors, including yourself, is actually being given to the persons of concern and it's reaching it's reaching the intended targets on the ground. So, in a nutshell, this is my responsibility here. It, it, it's quite challenging considering the operational context, but uh, it's, it's, it's quite interesting.
2: Let's talk about those challenges. And globally, COVID 19 has challenged the way humanitarian operations are being handled in our communities today. Having worked in this field these years, what, in your opinion, has been the main challenge in responding? To the needs of vulnerable groups within the context of COVID nineteen, I you mentioned some logistical challenges, but feel free to describe what vulnerable groups exist within the refugee community and what some of these challenges have been in responding to their needs.
3: To start with, I think not only in this operation but in most operations, we had the issue of delays in deliveries because almost all the things that we need in this operation we have to import from elsewhere. The, the first thing we noticed was the challenge of logistics on the ground. And then also even getting partners to move around because COVID came also with a lot of restrictions on movements. So delivering on the forefront was a major challenge. And uh, we have our call to stay and deliver. And we had to make sure that our frontline workers were on ground to provide assistance because COVID is also a health emergency. So we are public health teams, our medical health teams, and most importantly, the implementing partners, our health partners were actually on ground and we try to educate the people. And uh, COVID sometimes, person to person, and then also we have community spreading. And the comes that we have here, we realized that we needed to find a way to communicate with the with the displaced community, that is the the refugees, the IDPs, in such a way that they take ownership. So we we establish risk communication groups between us and the implementing partners, and then we brought the and um, the refugees also on board so that they would take ownership of the changes. And uh, I think you also know that behavioral changes is is a little difficult. It takes time for people to know that. They, they cannot hug as they used to do when they go for their morning teas or when they're having their community meetings, they cannot shake hands. And we need to communicate to them in a way that will make them understand. So the, the, the challenge we had was getting them into groupings, but we worked through the community and we communicated through local songs. We try to do this also through local FM stations that we have in some of the locations where we have the person self. And then also through drama, because we realize that people, when they see um, drama it is visualized, they look at what they shouldn't do, and that is longer with them than us just going to do a public awareness campaign. So we try to come up with some of these measures to be able to address the challenges. That is on the human side to try and make sure that we mitigate the, the spread. Of, of the disease, should it be recorded here? So far, we haven't had any recorded case. And then the second aspect of um, facing this challenge was to put in place some measures. And uh, we've tried to do that through the health system. We've set up the isolation centers. We've set up a screening center. We try to take some videos of that. Where now people come in and they're screened, and those who are realized to have higher temperatures are moved to the... Another place for further screening, all in preparation to address the challenge of of COVID.
2: Now, that sounds like there was a lot that the UNHCR put in place to be able to anticipate and navigate these challenges with COVID-19. And I mean, you even mentioned everybody learns differently. For some, it might be audible. For some, it's seeing it, like you said, with the visual representations. And so putting all these things in place to be able to navigate these challenges, can you speak on how successful some of these operations have been? I can I can anticipate that not all of them were easy. So if you can talk about some of the ones that were a little difficult to navigate and some that were a little easier with regards to um, refugees in camps, for example.
3: Okay, so um, just to put on the record again, we don't have any officially um, recorded case in that camp, but then looking at the numbers that we have And we have two big camps and we do have smaller camps, about 10 to 1 spread all over. So the two major camps, what we did was that we needed to, we decided to intensify the information campaigns in those camps because we realized that should we have an outbreak in any of these camps, these are the places where most people will be affected. So we try to work with the community through, they have three groups and then we also try to work uh, through the schools. When COVID started in April, the government of Sudan, South Sudan, closed all schools and all public places. So the schools are out are closed now. However, we are able to do re- remote learning with the support of UNICEF and the Ministry of Education. And we've tried to um, get them radios. Some families have received radios and we are trying to get more radio, so they learn through the FM stations in those locations. Then also we get them in small groups for discussions. Whereas in the past, we will have a general meeting of so many people, now we've tried to break it down. The other thing that we have also tried to do to under m um, reduce the incidence of COVID and to even get them prepared is the food distribution. In the past, we were having food distribution on a monthly basis for the refugees. But then in discussions and consultations with the World Food Programme now, we are giving the food once in two months. And uh, what we also do is that we have demarcated areas. So we have made provision for social distancing and they have rezoned those who go to collect their food. And so far it's working quite well. Um, The system has not been challenged yet because we haven't had any reported cases. But now refugees know that they need to have at least a meter and a half or two meters. And as they get closer to the food delivery point, we have marked the places for them where they can start to collect their food. The other positive thing we have also done was to make adjustments in the clinics. And uh, maybe you may get the video to see that one. So we, we fenced off the areas where we will have the isolation units and to make sure that those that are um, even on admission have 24-7 attendance we have made a um, provision for staff, a few staff to be, um, to be stationed there on a daily basis to take care of those in the world. So we have put in place these things. And then we are working closely with our implementing partners all the time. And on a weekly basis, we have the risk communication committees that we have in almost all the locations, meeting and discussing to measure how many families have been reached uh, what changes are happening? But uh, it is work in progress, and we are keeping talking to them, and we are, we can see visible changes now, although not in all the camps. And uh, like I said, because the system has not been tested, it's a bit difficult to measure. But at least we can see the changes in, in their behavior. And that all sounds very
2: encouraging. At least knowing that there haven't been any reported cases is very it's very encouraging, considering how globally the numbers are spiking. Now, on a more personal note, how are you managing being at the forefront of a humanitarian response and amidst the pandemic? Being a real life hero yourself must be quite challenging. Is there anything that you were anxious about when all of this took place initially?
3: That's, uh, that's an interesting one. It all starts from, I think, um, I've done this for so long, so I do have a passion for what I do. I've been a field person for a very long time. I try to find the, the balance between work and family. And the most important thing is that I try to assure my family every now and then that um, I'm safe and everything is going well. I take I take precautions where we need to. But the most important is that you know that when you are out there in the field and the persons of concern see you, you create some confidence in them they look up to us to help them to solve their problems. And in times like this, COVID affects both nationals, and it affects refugees, and it affects an internally displaced person. It doesn't dis- distinguish between any anybody. So in times like this, when people are really scared because of the way COVID is manifesting itself, when they see us on the front lines, they, they have more confidence. And they listen to us and we are able to work closely with them. I think times like this draw us even closer to the persons of concern because they realize that in the midst of all these uncertainties, quite a number of us are with them. And it's it's a collective responsibility and accountability. So I try to inform my family that I'm okay and then I go ahead to deliver, as the High Commissioner has requested us to do, to stay and deliver uh, with a lot of my team members on the ground as well.
2: Well, I myself and Fast Forward, we would like to express our appreciation for the amazing work that you personally are doing at the front lines with the South Sudan operation. So Mandy, just looking ahead, we recognize that COVID-19 will be part of our societies for at least the next few years. And how do you anticipate that we can do it the Luku what message do you have for the global community, especially for those that play a role in protecting our refugee community and those most affected, including students, aspiring humanitarians and policymakers like me?
3: Yeah, policymakers like you. I like the way you put that one. While we, we I just want you to always remember that COVID does not distinguish between a refugee and an irregular person. And it doesn't distinguish between somebody in a developed country and somebody in a deprived country. So it's only come to add another layer to the complexities of the operation in South Sudan. Because South Sudan, as you know, has so many needs. They, they've been at conflict for a very long time. In this country, we do have 1.6 million internally displaced. These are South Sudanese who have been displaced within the country. They haven't crossed to any other country. Then, on top of that, we do have over 300,000 um, refugees, mostly from Sudan, who are also living here. So, there are pressing needs, even without COVID. There are very urgent needs that we need to make sure that we provide to them on a daily basis. Now, with COVID, there are additional needs now on top of what we need already. And I just want policymakers like you to. Always focus on South Sudan and countries like South Sudan. And always try and keep it on the radar. And just remember that caring for one another and sharing the responsibility involves all of us. It's a collective responsibility, collective um, accountability, and we would like to depend on the private sector. We are very happy that we have people like you spearheading Um, our story and sharing it in the diaspora, but we would like you to continue remembering us. Don't take us out of the radar. And even though um, COVID may have affected so many countries, we would like to also remind you to keep South Sudan when you are discussing, when you are making your policies, when you are giving donations. We will need funding for the regular activities that we implement, and we will need earmarked funding as well. For COVID. So we wouldn't want you to shift all the resources for COVID-related activities. We would like you to also give enough resources for the ongoing activities like we need to continue with with health facilities, we need to continue with our livelihood activities, we need to continue with our shelter activities for the most vulnerable, we need to make sure that persons with disabilities are also supported. And particularly in a country um, that has a very weak system like South Sudan, we, we also want to um, advocate for, for donors not to be fatigued about helping countries like South Sudan, but to continue supporting. So collectively, we, can, we believe that we can fight COVID.
2: Oh, thank you very much, Mani, that has been very insightful. and again, I'll use this opportunity to reach out to the entire global community, um, policymakers, institutions and in global affairs, NGOs that are committed to alleviating the plight of people in um, various marginalized groups, not even just refugees, people with disabilities, people with um, health care needs, for example, marginalized groups, developing nations, do not have that luxury that other Western nations have and other more um, developed institutions have. So using this opportunity, again, creating that global awareness and reaching out to the global community to help our marginalized communities, especially our refugees and displaced populations during this global pandemic is a very important and of primary concern. So thank you very much, Mandy, for joining us and using this time to share the incredible work that you've been doing with the UNHCR. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And from Fast Forward Global, we are really really impressed with everything that you're doing I enjoy the rest of your day
1: to support the unhcr's ongoing covid relief efforts in providing for refugees and displaced persons visit our website at fastforwardglobal.org to make a kind and generous donation ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the ffgi scoop and we will be right back
0: what are we going with everything face down where you going to go when the world don't spark up town where we going to go we embark on a new beginning what you going to tell the body father when you get to heaven what we going to say about the hate meant for a friend what we going to do when it all come to an end what we going to do when it all come to an end
1: you're tuned into the FFGI scoop i'm your host Cuckoo quegrin as we wrap up this season of the FFGI scoop I want to express my sincerest appreciation and gratitude to University of Toronto Global for supporting and funding the FFGI Scoop as part of the U of T COVID-19 Student Engagement Award. I am very honoured to be a recipient of this award and it has been a pleasure delivering such impactful conversations on COVID-19 related topics confronting our marginalised groups. A big thank you to all my incredible guests that have been a part of the FFGI Scoop. This would not have been possible without you. And of course, a very big thank you to every single one of you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Cuckoo Quagrin, and until next time, this has been the FFGI Scoop.
0: Too many questions. No suggestions. Pay no attention to selection. Ascension is the new, the new direction Take heed to correction, intersection of the resurrection Beautiful imperfection, raise no objections I'm in connection with my affection Misperception of my progression Complexion of my projection Intro to my convention I cry New York, downtown Toronto, Montreal where we head. Flashback and wonder how we steer the rut To a beautiful summer, the continental Melanie L. Instrumental, I cry. In new York, downtown, Toronto, Montreal, where we had flashback and wonder how we steered the ride to a beautiful Christmas. The Continental, Melanie Instrumental. What we gon' do when everything is dark, face down? Where you gon' go when the world don't spark up town? What we gon' take? when we embark on a new beginning? What you gon' tell the mighty Father when you get to heaven? What we gon' say about the hate meant for a friend? What we gon' do when it all come to an end? What we gonna do when it all come to an end Oh we gotta show our brothers a little bit of compassion and we gotta be and supported a to our sisters We gotta tell our children we can't love them daily the beauty we can live loving and looking up for each other and we gonna discover we a beautiful creation A chosen generation and a holy nation let's try. racial color we fought to break the labor jewel love our precious color we hope to waken in every last penny dollar you bound to climb the lot about all to be a proud scholar we strive for greatness in this damn hollow beauty parlor we pray to god to forgive the ignorant powder turn every cast into a great fine blessing tidy that mess transform it to a white dressing would you please pay attention And quit the stressing? And take the time to observe this greater issues pressin' Brothers are down in Afghan You know that very well Join a star in the style and an African You don't tell What's going on in the center breaking hell My prayer to the Father Peace be still in the world, yo Peace be still, peace be still In the world, in the world, yo When the sun is down The world don't shine so bright Look to the sky Give it a try Keep moving on When the tides come rolling down Stand up strong, reach for the crown We got too many questions